0: All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am TJ Van Toll and I'm flying solo on the panel today, but that's all right, because we are joined by an awesome guest, Sean Wang, aka Swix. I think I got that right is joining us today. So Sean, why don't you give us a little introduction to yourself? Tell us why you're famous, all that good stuff
1: don't know about famous. But. So hey everyone, I'm from Singapore and most recently live in New York City working on essentially like web development, JavaScript-y, React-y stuff. Been doing this for a while. I was previously at Netlify and recently joined AWS this year. I also helped to moderate the r slash ReactJS subreddit where we're looking for more more moderators. Like literally this morning I just whipped up a new moderator application. So if you're interested in helping to run a community of over 200,000 react developers yeah and yeah i do a, i do a bunch of speaking and writing about react and i think you know most recently i did a what's new in react talk which is always you know it's it's kind of like easy cuz like you know you just like pull together a bunch of things but then it's also hard cuz like what what do you put in and how do you organize it so i did i did this talk for ionic conf and i think that's that's what we're going to talk about today
2: Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com code. That's audibletrial.com code. Yeah, it's always
0: interesting to me because in a sense, like React and on, on one hand, like doesn't change much at all, right? Like you can have React code and your code is just gonna continue to work. But on the other hand, the React world is so big and so crazy that things change all the time. So like I guess to maybe kick us off here today, what would you say are like the biggest things, like what are some of the higher level things that are changing in React today?
1: Oof. Yeah, so, you know, I just kind of responded the initial point that you made earlier, which is, you know, React 16 we just celebrated its third birthday last weekend. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and so, you know, the the major version hasn't changed and 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 to be honest, like the API hasn't changed since since 15 and React 17 is also not going to be changing its API. So it's like React has basically reached the level of like where sh- you know, one of the core features that it ships is API stability. Like it, nobody's looking for like the hot new thing so much as like let's just let's just make this make sure this scales, is production ready as fast as possible, and then let's build on top of it. So that's that's kind of what we're seeing right now. So the things that are changing. That said, you know, it is it is not sort of you know, cold. The main thing that's changing, at least in core React, is concurrent mode, which has been telegraphed for over two years, is proving harder than expected, but you know, it's it's promising to deliver a paradigm shift in how we write apps with very high perceived performance and just really good user experience all around with the nice trade-off that is also very easy to write it. So the developer experience is also nice to write. The difficulty is that it seems like React is no longer going to be a server client-side only technology if it's going to achieve that full vision. So so what the React core team is working on right now is basically some integration of server-side and client-side. So the future very much looks more like Next.js than it does Create React app. So I think people want to you know, keep up to date on that. They should check out React Flight and React Blocks, which are kind of like the, the code names for these projects that are going on right now.
0: Cool. So maybe we could d- dive into these individually. So concurrent mode is something that like you said it's i feel like it's something that's been perpetually coming soon so maybe you could tell people like a just for people that aren't familiar maybe just give like a very short overview of what concurrent mode is and i'd actually be curious what you think like why isn't it stable at this point right like cuz it it has been a few years it is something that i've i've seen sort of in ex- experimental state so like is it bugs is it like difficulty of like like edge cases are you aware
1: so you know obviously the the core team Will be best positioned to to do that, and all I all I can do is just stick very close to them, just from my interactions with them. The way that I would phrase it, so, so what is it? It is kind of like, the, the, it's in the name, it's concurrent rendering. And this is actually something that was envisioned originally by Jordan Walk over five years ago. So it's it's something that's been like theoretical for a while, but it's this idea that you can concurrently render something in the background and kind of like set it up to be rendered. Like do all the, the do all the like the rendering work beforehand and then set it up to be rendered and then swap it out to, you know, when all the data is ready or when all the rendering is done. And that's a little, that's, that's a bit different from what we do today where where everything's kind of like synchronous like you have to finish the entire rendering the entire tree and so 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 you can't you can cause jank especially for much larger apps and and that's definitely what facebook is, is seeing and the the definitive way the, the definitive demo to for people to check this out is Dan Abramov's JSConf Iceland video where he kind of showed off the two headline features of concurrent mode, which is React Suspense and Time Slicing. Time Slicing, you get for free once you opt into concurrent mode. Like the way that you opt into concurrent mode is essentially just switch, swapping your root out. So you used to do react-dom.render. Now you do react-create-root. And once you do that, you know, especially when you opt into the unstable concurrent mode, then you opt into all of your, the entire tree of, of React elements uh, be in concurrent mode. That means that all of them are rendered using time slicing, which means that you don't no longer sort of block on on sort of rendering expensive components, which is a, which is just like an automatic improvement in terms of your your perceived performance, and that's great. The other part is suspense, which which makes it makes it much easier for you to coordinate the reveal of specific screens, and and we can go further into that. But I, I do a lot more of this. You know, I sort of build a React from scratch and then show you how you know to, to implement something like a concurrent mode in one of my talks so what that the, the title of that talk is concurrent react from scratch just google it up you you'll see it and then the final the final point i want to answer is regarding stability it's not it's experimental because they don't want to commit to a specific api they're very very careful about committing to external apis because the moment they mark something as released, then they have to support it forever. And people will be very, very pissed if they release something and then go back on it. So that's the kind of care you have to take at the scale of React, where you have three to five million developers depending on you. But, but they don't take that level of caution with themselves. So at, in Facebook.com, the big FB5 rewrite that they just pushed, concurrent mode is in active production use. So it's pretty funny that Facebook gets it and, and the rest of us don't, simply because our demands are higher than Facebook's.
0: Yeah, and I, I I definitely agree with that. And I grabbed the link to your talk too. So if you're listening to this, you can check the show notes to follow up if you want to watch that talk uh, Watch that talk and go into a little more depth on concurrent mode. Yeah, because I see it too, because I, I work for we, the company of Progress, we make UI components. And it's UI components are like a prime example of where you might want this sort of rendering thing, right? Because especially if you're showing a more complex bit of UI, lots of times you can have lots of complex things going on. So We have lots of people asking us all the time when this is coming and we got to give the same sort of answer of like, well, like it's complicated and Facebook's kind of using it. And so hopefully we'll reach the point here soon where it's actually the experimental flag is taken off and it's ready for everybody to use.
1: Yeah. You know, it'll come when it comes. You know, I I don't think it's constructive to speculate. I see constantly Q&As at every single React conference that I do. When is it coming? Like, how do we get, how do we get ready for it? (laughs) Just... You know, just write your apps. Like, it's fine. Like, you have, there'll be a migration path. You don't have to be ahead on, on everything. You can if you want to. And I, I've done it. You know, it's just not super rewarding if you don't work at Facebook. So don't, yeah. don't worry about it.
0: Well, so speaking of being like on top of new features and such, are there any other features that you think are worth highlighting in like the later re- releases of React 16 or even into React 17 is now a thing, right, that people are looking forward to, like in those releases, are there things that we all should be aware of the taking into account for apps and things like
1: that? So obviously let's talk about React 16 first. So so part of the talk that I did was kind of rounding up the, the past year in React minor versions. So that's React 16.9 to 16.13. And these are all like anti climatic versus compared to 16.8, which is the one with hooks. So hooks obviously changed the game, and now they're kind of boring because you know they have, they haven't <laughs> changed that much. And 16.9 to 1613 was a lot about sort of incremental developer experience improvements from testing, like async async act and then and then they they publish a testing recipes guide on the react docs there's there's a new react profiler component with some interesting sort of profiling capabilities that you might want to call there's there's new dx developer experience warnings there's deprecations of stuff that you shouldn't be using anyway and then there's a more formal sort of release channel organization so so very much like developer experience e type things to help you develop to to develop react apps but nothing sort of major as as hooks. So so very much the same thing for React 17, except that because you're bumping a major version, you're allowed to deprecate some things and change the behavior, some, some other things. So you know, something that people are pretty excited about, which shows you how really minor this is, is that the, the JSX import's going away because Babel is now able to you know automatically direct, automatically import the new JSX runtime. In practice, that just means that you just remove one line of code from from every <laughs> React file that you have. Not a big deal. But under the hood, it may cause some speed improvements at very big scale and it may cause some improvement in typings way down the line which is to say that it's not that big a deal
0: <laughs> yeah i think it's i think people react to that so like viscerally because we've typed that There's line of code else. <laughs> so many times right like i feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. in my sleep right i it's an improvement. some yeah exactly <laughs> it's like muscle memory at this point
1: no, I, I, and look, I, I've been you know I've been a React beginner, and I have forgotten that line of code, and then I, and then I see that error, and I'm like, what 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 is what is this like undefined is uh, React is undefined thing? So yeah, I get it. Like you you want to make an improvement? It's 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 great. It's just like there there's nothing else to talk about. That's why we're making make deal out of it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing either right i mean it's really a testament to how stable react has become and how widespread it is and how they really at this point it's hard to change anything fundamental to react just because it's yeah it's got such a widespread usage you you really just can't break existing apps
1: yeah so which is kind of my thesis so i wrote a blog post about this called the age of react distros and that's that's a phrase that came from james nelson who's no longer active on twitter but he, he's, he's something someone i look up to on react stuff yeah, i think he, he's been on this podcast actually but anyway so yeah you know the the innovation has has gone to building on top of react rather than inside of react itself
0: yeah, and I think some of it too, I'd actually be curious your thoughts on React and the the stuff they you did in React 17 related to like upgrade paths as well. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's basically React 17 did a lot of internal work to make sort of future proofing React and also like the ability to run like, I, I believe, two versions of React on the same page sort of thing as well is that like yeah. a, a thing you see like developers realistically actually doing or is that more of like a niche
1: no. sort of thing yeah. super niche okay like you, you probably pretty much have to be like airbnb or something scale to even care most of us should be able to just bump the version and, and carry on with our lives and that's the way it should be but yeah i also just don't care about it because you know, i'm not <laughs> i'm not at that scale and i don't want to be so i'm good Cool. Well, I know another part of your talk
0: was getting into sort of the the surrounding React ecosystem, right? Because not everything that what changes in React is related to core itself. And I know one big thing of that is related to the router and React router and what's going on with there. So do you want to discuss a little bit about What's new with the router, um, what, where that space is going as well?
1: Yeah, so essentially, I mean, routing has never been very competitive. There are basically only two routers in the, in, in the game. There's React Router, and then there's there's Next.js Router. React Router had a schism the past two years, so it's split into Reach Router and Re- React Router v5. And then Michael and Ryan got back together again, and now, now they're working on React Router v6. Still not released. It is probably going to like so. So there's some API changes which people are very pissy about because it's very similar to. It's not as bad as React Router v4, but it is still some churn in API, which is kind of regrettable. But you know, reflects their their best opinions at this time. And partially, I think the main the main feature is that they're supporting nested routing much more. Which you know, React Router v4 and Reach Router were, were kind of more you had to you had to specify the entire path, whereas here you can actually move. You actually have route composition, which they love. And then the other thing is obviously because they're they're only they're all in on hooks, they they're able to drop support. And and the the size decreased from twenty kilobytes to eight kilobytes. So so that's uh, that's a lot. That's a pure win. The the other the main realization about routing actually is that you know a lot of it has to has to do with like how it interacts with the cache, especially for statically generated sites. But then also. I think, I think just like there's just a general realization that <laughs> routers should come with some sort of cache. And that's what Michael and Ryan are building into Remix, which is the, the new sort of React meta framework that they have yet to release, but it will basically be released concurrently with React Router v6. And so like React Router v6 will be kind of just be like the client side version and then React and then Remix. Will be kind of that plus the the server side infrastructure that that you need to you know to, to achieve their sort of full stack vision. So that's that's interesting. And then and then obviously on on Next.js side of things, not much changing over there. Just you know the hooks version is out. So that's that's what's going on there.
0: So, a couple of questions related to that. So, React for V6. So, currently, that's sort of like in a beta state, correct? Like, that's not a, a live thing. Yeah, it's been for a moment. while.
1: I, I, I'm not sure what the game plan is. I haven't haven't stuck too close yet, but it's it's been it's been like in beta for a while. Yeah, for the, basically the entire the entire calendar year of 2020. So, so like it, it over, I I suspect basically it will just release whenever Remix is released, and it will just be like the free client version, whereas the Remix will be paid and sort of full stacky version. And obviously they're they're being developed together because it's it's very tightly integrated with the, the full stack framework.
0: Yeah. When you say caching too, that's sort of intriguing. Is that like caching at the browser level or is it some sort of like internal cache to the router that it's caching different yeah, say cache. like renderings yeah. of components and such, more yeah. or less?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to you have to basically replicate a bunch of things that the browser does for you by default, in the hopes of wins in terms of you know speed, in terms of user experience, in terms of like the ability to manipulate data programmatically through APIs that the browser just doesn't give you. And I I mean I think obviously this is a little bit contentious, especially among the no frameworks crowd. But you know have faith, like these guys have been doing it for a while.
0: Yeah, it's, well it's <laughs> one of those things that like instantly in my head I think of both the benefits and also the problems, right? Because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like anything else. It's like, oh man, like, like your, your trust first them, direction... Trust them
1: to know. Trust them, like, yeah. they, they've been yelled at more than anyone. So <laughs> trust <laughs> them yeah, to
0: ca- know about
1: this.
0: Well, caching is right, notoriously one of the three hardest problems in computer science. Mm-hmm.
1: So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like there's this and then there's like essentially all the other sort of caching, like React Suspense is essentially, you know, basically saying that all, you know, Basically, every every solution or every app that uses React Suspense needs to have a cache, which is why you see libraries like React Query come out, where there's like an inbuilt caching system. And and we all basically just have to get smarter about caching solutions. Next.js itself is also you know has an has opinionated caching layer, especially to do with data with uh, SWR, which is their staywall revalidate fetching library. And so so like yeah, I mean this this will come to all all parts of our stack, and I think we just got to deal with it, you know.
0: Yep, for sure. Yeah, because I i mean, at a certain, there's some real gains to be had in terms of performance. I mean, especially if, you're, if your app is large and React is increasingly used in the biggest of the big apps out there, like any little edge you can gain in terms of rendering performance is oftentimes worth your engineering time and effort. So if frameworks there make it easier, then great. <laughs> yep, I am curious, too, that this is probably a minor note. You mentioned API changes with the router as well. And the thing that caught my eye—that's probably everybody else's—switch is becoming routes, which, like, this is like the tiniest of changes, right? But like, it, know. it makes you wonder, like, why, why bother doing that? It's like, okay, like, I routes is arguably a better name, but it's like switch is not a bad name. <laughs>
1: uh it switch has that sort of semantic meaning of like we'll only pick one of these whereas routes like you could pick multiple so you know like because of JavaScript switch you, like you literally only match one yeah uh, so I think I think that that makes sense to me but uh, to be honest like I I don't try to second guess their decision just because I wasn't there so I would just report on what they what they decide ultimately because I'm not the maintainer, right? So I'm just not, I'm, yeah, I don't have time to waste on like oh, second game yeah. decisions.
0: <laughs> Is there a situation though where you'd want to pick more than one route? Like I'm trying to think of like a use case where you'd want to match on multiple routes and that sort of... It's,
1: it's more like a fallback situation if like something doesn't match. Like Reach Router has this like kind of complicated, kind of magical, they're like, just trust us, we'll get it right situation with, with, in, with multiple matching. And I don't know, like, it, 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 was, it was a lot of faith to put but in, in like this black box <laughs> algorithm. So I think, I think Switch is, is just a little bit simpler. Like we all get a Switch. We've written Switches. So having that for routing kind of makes sense.
0: And I think my my last question about routing is do you have any guidance on because I've I've personally been I I use the react router and I've like sort of never had a need for anything else so I've never even looked into the the next router do you have like a short recommendation on like what the routers do different or like what are some situations where you might want to look into the next router is it just provide a little bit more on top or I'm I'm I, genuinely curious like, what the differences even are
1: as far as I know it's it's more like a instruction to an Xgs yes. like it, so it, it has to degrade nicely for server-side rendering is is the is the main idea like it has to fall nicely okay. back to just ref. but then also if it's hydrated then it has to switch to client side routing that's why you have to use you know their their link tags and their their uh ru- their specific router they probably also do some prefetching which is very nice kind of built in which you know is is every every like every meta framework like Gatsby also tries tries to do that like when you so just for people who don't know like prefetching is kind of like when you hover over a link and you hover for like 200 milliseconds you're probably going to click it so they so they can just start loading that data right away before you click it so that once you've actually Actually, you know, mouse up the data is already there. You just have an instant navigation away. So, so very, very, you know, minor details that 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 make the experience a lot faster.
0: Cool. Yeah, But might. It's on my list of like. I think every developer has some sort of like list of things that they need to check out at some point. So it's been <laughs> on my list. So I'll have to get around to it at some point. And so the next thing I want to get into because this is another bit that fascinates me as well is like dev tools and build tools changes with React because. That's a bit of React that's always been a little bit of a black box to me. Like yeah, I, yeah. I typically use Create React App, and like magic happens, and my app comes out, and things are great. So I'm, I'm curious, like what the state of that is today. What's been changing in that space, and and whatnot as well.
1: Yeah. So all the, all the major build tools basically put out a new version this year. So there's Webpack v5, Rollup v2, Parcel v2. Parcel I think is not yet live, and Rollup is also not yet super live. But, but the yeah the the main idea is that they're all they're all sort of working on you know incremental new changes like nothing huge although Parcel is like a very very major expansion of their API which is which is pretty interesting Webpack there's a small community of people that are extremely excited like this is the biggest freaking deal in the entire world <laughs> which is module federation, which helps you do micro front ends. And then obviously there's a there's a bunch of very vocal people who could not care less about micro front ends. But you know, if you care about it, it's there. I think I think the I think probably the more interesting thing is the overall shift from common JS to ES modules. Because once you shift towards ES modules, it leaves behind a lot of prior assumptions. And that's where you get like the next generation of build tools, which I'm also pretty interested in. So the next generation. Tools are things like ES Build, SWC, Rome, Deno, Snowpack, Vite, Sandpack. So those are those are kind of like next generation in the sense that they're not as old as, <laughs> okay. as the other three. And like I mean, like even even Parcel's not that old, right? It was released in 2018, so it's it's not that old. It's just like of a different generation. And and so the exper- the experiments that people are trying out in in these aspects, like ES Build, is is built in Go. SWC is built in Rust. Like how do what if we had a different core systems language in the, in the in the core of our build tools people are seeing like 70 to 100 times faster builds and that actually starts to add up right so so the the old argument was that all our tools have to be built in javascript so that javascript developers can contribute to them guess what like people don't actually contribute to the build tools that much so like you know if we if we give up that that core assumption of like everything has to be you know, in JavaScript for JavaScript and we build, you know, and we use specific languages that are, that are for a hot pass, especially like where we, where speed is actually important, how much faster can we build it? And, and, you know, I think the next generation of tools are doing that are exploring that and then the the other assumption that i alluded to earlier was es modules like when we when we like edit a file why do we have to recompile the entire app in order to reload why don't why don't we just you know serve the new file to our to our dev you know environment uh, and that's what snowpack and Vite are, are working on as well
0: so I'd be curious i think the the one thing about this space that's like I mean we just mentioned like 12 tools right there's it's yeah. it's a it's a very confusing space for for developers so i'd be curious like if you had to provide like a simplified view for developers like what is the i guess i'd be curious like if you're not using like create react app and things aren't like totally automated for you what's the most would you say like common tool chain that people are using today? And then mm-hmm. where do you see that? Like, with, like if you had to pick like some of these ES module tools, what which do you see being like the most common, maybe or the most like on the rise that people might be using a year or two from now?
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Like definitely don't feel like FOMO, you know, like 90, something like 93% of React apps. I did, I did a survey of the, subred, the React subreddit. Something like 93% of React apps are powered by Webpack still today. Okay, um, yep. So if you and if you don't use Create React App, you probably use either Next.js or Gatsby, or you hand roll the Webpack. So I, I definitely definitely say like if you don't use Create React App, you should probably be using Next.js. I think that's that's probably the gold standard right now. I think Parcel is very very good for zero config support of React. Rollup has Rollup can support React. It's just not first class, and you have to figure out some small config issues, which is probably more trouble than it's worth. And the other thing I'd, I'd also recommend people check out is Viet. Viet is kind of comparable to a Parcel, but some kind of of that newer generation. So, so uh, you know, when we're talking about newer generation stuff, we're really talking about like one to 2% of apps, right? Like that's how, that's how niche, that's how fringe this is right now. Like maybe, you know, check back in five years, maybe this, these these things will be more significant, but you have to have this frontier of innovation, right? So, and then, you know, I think, I think the, 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 the reason you go after the next generation apps, the ne- next generation builders is you want more speed and, you know, the, the current generation of tools are just like too slow for you in terms of build, build, build speed and in terms of dev sort of hot reloading hot refreshing time and yeah like it's very promising because like it it, these things seem to work like i've played around with a bunch of these tools es build in particular so es build was like a side project of like the cloudflare cto and uh, it it seems to be picking up in a bunch of different build like it, as like an underlying tool and a bunch of different other ecosystem tooling. So like Vite uses ES Build under the hood, and ES Build, for those who don't know, is is kind of like the the Webpack but built in Go, and it's a hundred times faster by by their own benchmarks. And and so like I think I think the, the future is kind of polyglot in in terms of these like core underlying tools because we've kind of reached the 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 boundary of like how fast things built in JavaScript can be, and in order to break that boundary, we have to explore some other you know pretty radical approaches. Have you ever wondered if you could be
2: offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it. The only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just you need something like that there. And Raygun is Awesome at this. They they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick and it works like a breeze. I I just I love it. I love it. It's like it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's gonna save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let's face it, grepping through logs is no fun, and having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at reactroundup.com slash Raygun.
0: Yeah. I, first of all, note for anybody that also didn't know like me, Vite is V I T E. And I tossed a link yep. in the the show notes as well because I had that was a new term for me. And I did <laughs> like the bit you you said too about just not letting like FOMO take over here because I, I think most React Devs like on a day to day basis, I'm certainly in that ninety three percent, right? I just I have some automated webpack that I didn't didn't work on.
1: Yeah, you got I, other problems to solve. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's it's like, I, I feel like if you're the type of person that really needs to optimize your apps, this is probably the time to start playing around with these tools. Like you said, if, if this is an actual need for you, if you need, maybe you're working at a large organization and speeding up the, your build times and such actually can provide some, some big value to your org, then, then great, like start to dig into these. But I'd also say that if not, you probably can wait off a little bit, at least in my opinion, to just like see which of these sort of went out because there's probably going to be a little bit of consolidation in terms of which of these tools prove to be the most useful for more people. And then more tutorials and courses from people like you will come out to help people when it becomes more time to actually start to implement these in your more like rank and file React apps.
1: Well, so you know, I I definitely say this is the time to already start being aware of what these things promise because sometimes you don't know what you want until you kind of see it and have a yeah. take a look at it for yourself. And like like I'll just ask you like how many times a day do you save files? Do you like ed, you know edit and save files? Like let's uh, say quite you, a few, <laughs> you know, a few hundred times, right? Yeah. And each of the like let's say let's say each of them like let's say you have like a slow sort of. Rebuild or read hot refresh process, and that, you know, and that's like two seconds each that you could shave off by by using a much faster tool. That's probably like four hundred seconds a day, uh, and then just multiply that by you know however long you're you're, you're working on your app. Like the, that just that just kind of adds adds up just in terms of raw seconds but then also your flow and your productivity like sometimes i just i'll just like kind of lose focus and lose attention if if i'm just waiting too long for for a rebuild so like you know it's it's kind of like every order of magnitude improvement in tools unlocks something else something unexpected in terms of your 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 productivity so so that's why people are so so interested in this stuff
0: Awesome. So I think next on our list of sort of newish React sort of pillars of things to talk about is is a pretty small topic. So we got state management that's next on oh, yeah. your, uh,
1: your list. Of I should I, uh, also, also uh, sort of uh, give a shout out, you know, before we leave like the whole build tools thing altogether. MDX is is a has basically won out in terms of documentation authoring in, in, in React. And then TypeScript has also won out. So, you know, I, I have this list of like how many projects have rewritten, not just like so, exported TypeScript types, but like rewritten their entire core code base in TypeScript. And so like TypeScript has definitely won, you know, in terms of React and, and you know, I I used to track the numbers, but like it's it's, it's not even funny anymore. It's like something like 60 to 70 percent of the of the ecosystem. So you don't have to learn TypeScript to use React but it will it would help you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've actually switched to using TypeScript. I, I've been a TypeScript fan for quite a while, but for a while I held off on React just because there were, it, it was a little tricky. Like I ran into some weird like odds and ends online and I found more recently, I'd say within the last six months to a year, like if I run into a TypeScript problem and I Google it, I find the answer, right? Somebody's, it's become popular enough now yeah. that like, it's people like sort of assume that that workflow is out there and accommodate for it. And you almost never run into a tool anymore that doesn't provide like a really good TypeScript experience. So I, yeah. plus one so that- that's
1: something I'm working a lot on. So, you know, I, I started the React and TypeScript cheat sheets two years ago. And I've been sort of curating all these answers and and basically accumulating like the ultimate copy and paste <laughs> repo for everyone. And so, yeah, it's still work in progress. But like, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Like it's 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 the hard work of a lot of people just kind of figuring this out. This out.
0: Oh man, I didn't realize you were the person behind this. I've totally, when I spoke of like Google searches to find things, I've totally ended oh, yeah. up here before. You yeah. we, so. got pretty
1: good SEO, dude. <laughs> like I, I teach, I teach a thousand person, a thousand, a thousand people a day React and TypeScript. It's okay. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you.
0: I'm sure you've you've solved more than one random compiler issue I've ran into at some point. So very much appreciated.
1: But yeah, you know the, the work is definitely not done. Like I, I I need more contributors and more people just opening issues. Like I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not as good as it could be. You know.
0: Yep. And I put a issue's link. Yep. And I put a link to the the cheat sheets in. So if you want to check those out or contribute or whatever, and you're listening to this, that's the place to check it out. All right. So I do want to get into state management as well. A nice mm. a, a nice light one, right? Not that much complexity. <laughs> <laughs> going on here. So do you want to provide like an overview, kind of like we did with, with tools of like where, where state management is with React yep. today and maybe where it's heading?
1: Yeah, so this one, the, the survey that I did also comes in super handy. And where people are at is that it's about a third, a third, a third between no state management library. So just pure React.